following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN. Your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. I think I said it yesterday, but I just kind of want to repeat it. Like this week is uh, it's a little hectic. Kind of everybody doing everything. Tournaments. Football has pro day tomorrow. Coach Kleiman had his press conference just a few hours ago, his first of the spring. Meanwhile, you have quarterbacks in the NFL going to different homes. <laughs> like Russell Wilson is going to the Denver Broncos, which I wanted to lead off with that. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, and Sage Williams with us, and uh, David Garcia, as we like to call him, David G. Might be joining us in the second hour. So, yeah, that's the big NFL news of the day, Troy. Seattle Seahawks, they trade Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos, so he's coming to the AFC West for multiple draft picks and a couple of players that are going to be going to Seattle. My long fandom nightmare is... Oh, anyway, um, yes, now all that remains to be seen is how does it pan out, given that Russ is coming off of what could be seen as his worst season as a pro. Well, I think it's no doubt. Because of injuries and... Yeah. Yeah, and let's just... Let's just be perfectly honest. The offensive line in Seattle is a dumpster fire. Um, So the Broncos get rid of Shelby Harris, 31-year-old defensive lineman. Draft is rich this year with defensive linemen. They unload Drew Locke. Seattle, you have your new quarterback. Sorry, Tyler. You're not going to see the ball much other than sailing over your head. Um, did you see? But did you see though? It wasn't long after that. It was getting around on Twitter that the Seahawks are also open and open to trading, trading. Tyler Lockett. Ooh. Which I don't know. Like Ooh. I don't know if Denver is exactly the hungriest the, for a wide receiver. No, they're not the hungriest for a wide receiver. But that means the rebuild is on in Seattle. At that point, now I know the Chiefs. Uh, well, certainly, plus K State Chiefs fans. Plus, with the, with the draft picks that they picked up, that tells me the rebuild is on in Seattle. The Broncos had extra draft picks from the Von Miller trade, and so because that was all they got back from that trade was draft choices. So this worked out well for them in that they stockpiled, thinking they were going to utilize them either for potential trade for Aaron Rodgers or for a potential trade, in this case, for Russ Wilson. And so it panned out. you would say that you feel like the Broncos won this trade? I, I do believe that the Broncos won this trade, absolutely. Uh, given that they're in a spot now where, you know, in the draft they can address the defensive lineman situation. Uh, they still have three picks in the top 96 coming up, so they're not hurting for draft choices going forward. And they address really the one spot that was holding them back offensively and that was quarterback i'm not the biggest obviously i'm not the biggest expert on knowing exactly what team out there needs a wide receiver at least certainly in the trade market would be the team to go after tyler lockett i know chiefs fans and k-state fans they want tyler i would have to say though i think the most hungry team in the afc west for a a wide receiver would not be the chiefs i would argue it's actually the vegas raiders Mm -hmm. i would i would agree with you who would need a wide receiver more than anybody but to kick off the show, we're going to be joined by what feels like now a weekly host, pretty much, of this show, <laughs> is Derek Young from K-State Online, who joins us every week here on the show. But bringing him on early, because, of course, tomorrow, 
and you would hope Thursday K-State is going to be involved in the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City. Um, D.Y., first an NFL question, Green Bay Packers fan, how thrilled are you that they have re-signed Aaron Rodgers to a four-year deal that's worth 200 mil? Yeah, I think those figures are still a little to be determined. I think uh, Rodgers even tweeted that they might have jumped the trigger on what the figures will be. It does seem like even though it'll be for a lot of money, it'll be for a much more cap-friendly contract for the Packers. And look, I know he's a a little bit of a headache and a pain to deal with, and <laughs> and this drama probably irritates a lot of people that aren't Packer fans, and it even irritates me at times too. Don't get me wrong, but anytime you can keep the mul- a guy that's been an MVP multiple times, including the past two seasons, and has already won a Super Bowl, there's no reason to feel disappointed. You should always be excited. So you're telling me that Pat McAfee's source about the contract amount is not an accurate source? <laughs> uh, well, Pat, no, his is. Pat McAfee is actually the one that shot down the, the figures. I think that was tweeted by Ian Rappaport. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so McAfee was actually the one doing the correcting. Yeah, oh, obviously. Boy. He's, he spoke straight directly to the source. I think we all know that. Yeah, I know, and that was the joke. That was the punchline to it. But I thought that Pat had sent that out in one no, of the early no, tweets. No, no he, ha- he had not. But, I mean, as back of band, I'm thrilled because it also, the way that it's going to be structured, at least it seems like at least the preliminary feeling is that it's going to also enable them to re-sign Devontae Adams as well. Okay, so they are going to re-sign Devontae Adams. Yeah, they tagged him at the moment, but that's probably oh, okay. going to turn into an extension. Well, I missed that one. I, I was going to ask you actually next. I was like, well, hey, Tyler Lockett, you know, right? maybe uh, – because I thought Devontae Adams was going to go elsewhere. It didn't seem like there for a while that he was going to be coming back for the Denver Broncos, but uh, – or yeah, I'm sorry, it, for the Green it, Bay it, Packers. It, yeah, it was touch and go for a little bit, obviously, and I think he was. it was probably tied to whether or not Rodgers was mm-hmm. turning because if I'm Devontae Adams, I don't think I have much of a desire to remain in – cold green bay if aaron Rodgers is not my quarterback so i can understand what his perspective on it was in terms of tyler lockett um i I saw a report already that said that seattle is more than willing to deal with deal him in the right scenario or for the right price my thing with the chiefs is because of the way that they're structured right now they have more cap space than really Mm. tradable assets that are the most appealing so you know as much as it would be Fun for Kansas State fans to have Tyler Lockett with the Chiefs as well as Byron Pringle. I think it makes more sense for the Chiefs to hunt for a receiver through free agency rather than via a trade, especially with the cap hit that Tyler Lockett's contract is associated with in the future years. I think there's no doubt with the Chiefs, their biggest need right now is probably secondary. You need because Tyron Matthews going into or well, he's trying out free agency, and of course Daniel Sorensen is free agent now as well at maybe wide receiver would be second best on that list for the Kansas City Chiefs but uh Derek Young from KSET Online is with us at D Young Rivals on Twitter uh we're going to talk men's basketball and a little football here DY I do want to start with men's basketball and that is well this team has lost five in a row they've they, you know, in a way they've blown it as when it comes to their status for uh, NCAA tournament, maybe, maybe even NIT. I guess right now they're considered as a bubble NIT team. But in these last couple of games, we, we talked a little bit about it as we were both at the Climbing Press Conference, but missing Marquise Noel for both of those games, how much did that hurt K-State in your opinion? 
I think it hurts a lot, especially when Nigel Pack wasn't hundred percent, and then he got into his foul trouble. Because if you take away Nigel Pack and Marquise Noel, Pack missed a lot of minutes in that game against Oklahoma. I mean, that's your two best ball handlers at that point. <laughs> Excuse me, and you're and you're forced to have Selton Miguel and Mike McGurl, you know, doing a lot of the ball handling. Um, those are two players probably not comfortable with being primary ball handlers. And well, let's face it, Marquise Noel, you know, sometimes he'll he'll make you pull your hair out, but he's been a really good player for this team. His assist to turnover ratio has been good. And just his total assists have, have been very productive. I think he finished the year being with the most assists per game in the Big 12, if I remember correctly. The same for steals. And kids, they didn't win a game without him. Are they now 0-4? Without Marquise? 0-4, yeah. 0-4, mm. right? The first two Big 12 games and the last two Big mm. 12 games. That's right. Well, that, that second game, they had like seven players total, right? They, yeah. They were just, uh, yeah, well, was that the Oklahoma game? Yes. Well, that no, Oklahoma was the first game. That You're was right. the first You're Big right. 12 game. And oh, then Texas. Texas. Texas, thank you. Followed by West Virginia. Yeah, and then the West Virginia game where Casey was also very shorthanded. The trip that uh, – one that coach. Bruce Weber didn't. Yeah, the Bruce Weber didn't go. Yeah, just one coach made it out there to uh, Morgantown, West Virginia. Yeah. Uh, speaking with Derek Young from K State Online. So the five game losing streak. I, I don't know if you really even pay attention to the NIT bracketology, but I, I I think I mentioned this to you last week. Where there's a whole bunch yeah. of weird websites yeah. out there you can go look up. But I mean, just Very from what? Weird. Yeah, <laughs> really weird. Uh, they they're not your usual sources for any sort of sports news out there. But <laughs> I mean, would you agree with me that it, it feels like K State is actually on the outside looking in for the NIT? Absolutely, and, I, and I'm not sure whenever West Virginia really changes it to you. Like I think they might have to win two. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm with you. Two two wins will probably get you there. Yeah, I think that's what it will take. And the problem with that is even if you do beat West Virginia and, you know, confirm to everyone that you're not the worst team in the Big 12, you play Kansas. Hmm. Well, and yes, which feels impossible. But also add this to you, uh, the equation is that keep in mind, so every mid-major that wins their regular season, if they do not win their conference tournament, they are an automatic bid for the NIT. So more of those teams that don't win their conference tournament, that's less at-large spots for the NIT. So you got to start rooting for those one seeds, I suppose, but the the, the spots are getting limited, especially with the five-game losing streak. The more you, you keep falling down the pecking order, the more bubble teams are, that are in the NCAA tournament or just outside are going to be moving on to the NIT. That's with the last couple of games, like especially losing to Oklahoma and uh, you could throw in the Texas Tech game. Really, the last three is what hurt has has hurt K State in a spot for potentially going to the uh, NIT. And I was hoping for some more home games, but um, we'll uh, we'll see how that pans out. Now, you, West Virginia is the opponent. Uh, Dy, now, do you feel like K State has a chance? I certainly do. I mean, K State just played West Virginia yeah. a few weeks ago and won by five. You know, they had to come from behind and win that game. But do you feel good for K State winning that eight nine matchup? I, I mean, the trajectory is concerning, so that's why I think that it's really fifty fifty for me. Because I mean, West Virginia was on a six or a seven game losing streak. I thought they won two of three to finish the year. They did not, but they did win their final game, and I think that broke a six game 
losing streak and then Kansas State, if they were to fall West Virginia, that'd be a six-game losing streak of their own. So these are just two teams going in the wrong direction. But because the Mountaineers are going in the wrong direction too, sure, I'll give the Wildcats a chance. But uh, the last month has not been kind. Well, hopefully, like Nigel's feeling better. And we heard from Bruce Weber that uh, Marquise Noel has been doing some things at practice as of yesterday. Like he's been uh, maybe not so much competing, but he's been uh, taking place in practice and doing some things. But um, we have seen in the last couple of games that Mike McGurl has really stepped up. He's been the leading scorer for K-State when it comes to getting to double digits the last couple of games. And Mark Smith has really maybe at times maybe tried to do a little bit too much but he is scoring the basketball, and he's really trying to lead the team when you don't have Marquise Noel and you don't have um, Nigel Pack at 100%. But the, the way the team is set right now, I mean, is there? It, I would guess you would imagine there's really no chance they can make it all the way. But to beat West Virginia just the way they stand, would you say they could get it done? I think they need Marquise Noel. I really do. I mean – I understand they haven't played, you know, a murderer's row without him, so to speak, with with some of the games being against Oklahoma or whatever, and they're going to finish in the bottom half of the Big 12. But I just – it's hard for me to envision this team winning without Marquise Noel in the Big 12 tournament when they've had four chances to do so this year and have come up empty every time. It's – you know, if they were to have Nigel Pack feeling a little bit better and Noel is on the floor, then sure, I I think they can get it done the first night, but – it, it it's a tall task without that being the case. Now, did you agree with the uh, All Big Twelve? Nigel Pack first team, Mark Smith third team, and then you had Marquise Noel an honorable mention. I agree with it. Kind of surprised me that they went ahead and did it that way because I thought that was the appropriate distinctions for all three, in my opinion. And Noel being also on the All Defensive team, and and Mark Smith on the All Newcomer team, but especially in relation to Nigel Pack. You know, him being a first-team choice, he I mean, he belonged on the first team, but just because of especially how the season finished, I'm surprised that, you know, the the voters chose to go that way. The coaches, I think, is, you know, what did it, obviously. Right. So I, I'm surprised that even without, you know, an NCAA tournament resume, so to speak, that they, they still went ahead and put Nigel Pack on the first team, but I'm glad they did. Last question about basketball. I wanted to ask about the coach of the year, and I was just curious about who would you have voted for. It went to Scott Drew. I think I would have voted for Mark Adams. Uh, who who would have been your vote? Yeah, that's a that's a very good question, right? Um, T.J. Otzelberger, I think, had, had some has an argument to be made for him too. I mean, Iowa State didn't win a Big Twelve game last year. Now this year they're going to make the NCAA tournament. So I think you know a case can be made for Otzelberger. Um, at one point it looked like a case could be made for Porter Moser, but if I, I, I probably would have wrestled with four choices, um, between Otzelberger, Scott Drew, Mark Adams, and even Mike Boynton, Oklahoma state, um, not able to play in the postseason this year, absolutely nothing to play for, but they kept fighting and actually had a solid season. And if they were, uh, you know, not banned from the postseason, they would be an NCAA tournament team probably. So I think Mike Boynton really deserves a lot of respect for the performance that the Cowboys had this season because that's really hard to do when you really get nothing on the lot. But in the end, I would pick Scott Drew. Um, and, and it's going to sound a little bit, you know, my my reasoning it like a career achievement. 
But the fact that, you know, last year he won the national championship, you think about where that program was when he first took over. And then this year, I mean, they were placed with three or four starters from a national championship team, had all three guards of his hurt, all three of his guards hurt at one point, lost Jonathan Chamo Chachua for the entire season and still, you know, clinched a share of the Big 12 championship. That's really hard to do. I think he did the best coaching job when you take those things into consideration. One of the things, though, that always stands out to me, and, and it, I don't care whether it's the, the men's side and, and how the coach of the year is recognized or, or even the women's side, and, and uh, my cohort sitting here was frustrated yesterday that, uh, that Aoka Lee didn't win the Conference well, Player of the Year award. So I, I could talk more about that, but I kind of, I've kind of calmed down from that whole thing. And Alyssa Smith is amazing. She probably deserved it. It was Serena Sundell not winning freshman of yeah, the year. That one that bothered me. That one, you're absolutely right on. I would agree. But uh, wins and losses, unfortunately, always play a huge role in it politically when they go to make these choices. Yeah, I will say this. Usually the, the, the team that wins the Big 12, the coach doesn't win coach of the year. And it's happened two years in a row. But it's rightfully earned. I don't think it always has to be the coach that did the most but the least. It's the coach that did the best job. And mm-hmm. and I think Scott Drew deserved it both times. So I've seen almost – I haven't seen Otzelberger in person, but I've seen everybody else in person of the Big 12 coaches. And just to kind of spin off of what we are just talking about, Porter Mosier, he might be the most dramatic coach <laughs> I've seen out of everybody, like in person. He does this gimmick where – when he doesn't like something, Bruce Weber was pretty dramatic. Well, yes, Bruce. Well, of course, but it. I don't. He doesn't go this far, Dy. And that is when Porter <laughs> Mosier, when he, when something doesn't go Oklahoma's way, either from a bad pass, a dumb turnover, or a call doesn't go OU's way, he does this dramatic thing where he kind of just falls into the scores table. Or he like falls into a lap of a oh, of yeah, an assistant. Yeah. Like he just. You probably feel the brunt of that, you know, being at the score scores table. So I, I can understand where that is coming from. I will say another one that's pretty dramatic. Well, well maybe just, you know, maybe sporadically, maybe not consistently. I think about Chris Beard last year when he had that, um, uh, you know, br- breakdown when he was still at Texas Tech, right? When he was like crawling on the floor and got teed up. And I forget what game that was, but he was like trying to mimic what happened. And he was like, basically doing charades and he's like crawling on the floor of the the basketball court so that was an interesting one on the flip side i don't think there's a more stoic coach in the entire country than mark adams mark adam well mark adams he was getting really upset Mm -hmm. in that game with k-state his offense was terrible and Mm -hmm. there's multiple times he looked over to his bench and he looked at one of his assistants and he did it twice he's like you better get me some gd subs right now (laughs) like i I did not expect mark adams to be that far the most he's typically very stoic between between him and huggins i mean honestly two two of the most probably stoic but guys that could unleash on you if they wanted to. Yeah, Huggy was the one that he didn't have outbursts as, as many times as I thought he would. Sure. Like he was pretty reserved the two times I've seen him. When it, when it comes to Otzelberger, um, not really in demeanor, as I don't really know enough about him to really determine his demeanor, but just in his like physical makeup and his body type, he, he's he's built and looks a lot like Chris Kleiman. <laughs> Well, today is going to be a lot of focus around football, K-State football, after we've done this one segment with D.Y., because we had our first uh, spring practice for the K-State football team and press conference with Coach Kleiman. 
So when we come back with D.Y., we'll hit some of the highlights up next. Well, you heard it there during the update. If you're listening to the podcast, you're probably just finding out maybe. Uh, But K-State baseball not playing tonight. They will play tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock against Nebraska. Now, because the K-State men have pregame at 5 from Kansas City with Wyatt and Stan, we will have one hour of the show. So that'll be from 4 to 5. The entire baseball game will be online only at News Radio K-Man.com. And, of course, tomorrow's one hour of the show will uh, will be podcasted afterwards. We're back with Derek Young from K-State Online at Rivals on Twitter. And make sure to follow along with uh, K-State Online uh, online with uh, KStateOnline.com. Get your subscription and keep up with all the content they're pumping out, including, I'm sure, D.Y., appreciate you joining us during this really busy time because I'm sure you've been typing away up until this interview and even afterwards you're going to get back to work on the grind. But the first spring practice happened today for K-State football. It's the first of 15, and it's the first time we also had Coach Kleiman in person to talk about his team since the bowl game, or since, I should say, actually the recruiting class. should mention that as well, but about the actual team since the bowl game. Uh, but we did get a couple of highlights, including maybe not so much from Coach Kleiman, but the uh, there's going to be a change of tempo from the offense. I, I was curious to know if you're a little surprised that we're going to see more tempo from the offense with Colin Klein taking over as the O.C., I knew Colin Klein wanted to put his own wrinkles and his own stamp on the offense. The fact that he could be giving a leash to speed it up a little bit. I mean, they talked about running a little bit or no huddle today at spring practice, the first one of the season. I, I mean, I'm still probably going to be surprised if I see him run, ever run a no huddle, you know, that's not in a situation that necessitates it uh, until I actually see it with my own eyes in the fall. But yeah, I was really taken aback to hear the up tempo, the the operating fast, the, the just no huddle uh, type comments that we heard today. That was probably the last thing I expected to hear. Quite honestly, I mean, I know Colin Klein's going to have some freedom to do some of the things in his own way and his own image that I differ from what we saw from Courtney Messingham. But to give him the reins to change up the pace in that dramatic way, one I didn't think that would be the case and two even if it was I didn't think that they'd be so willing to talk about it to be quite honest I love the fact that it it actually may happen to a K-State football program that we actually start to see some of the up-tempo become a wrinkle as opposed to what has felt at times to be a plotting offense yeah I mean I was so surprised that I even and when I was speaking with Kate Warner I even asked to I guess, confirm or or clarify some of the language being used. I was like, because I asked, I was like, are we talking about, you know, just the tempo and with the offense or maybe the tempo of the practice? Maybe they're trying to get in as much for a practice as possible just to be efficient with their time. And no, it definitely sounds like they expect the offense to be a a little bit faster tempo incorporated within it. It's funny you say that, D.Y., because that's why I followed up with Phillip Brooks, who's the last player we talked to today, because it was also brought up to him about going fast. And I'm like, wait a second. So I need more detail here. What does fast mean? And I, I didn't exactly ask it like that, but he, he didn't really give a lot of detail. He just said went pretty fast. So I think it's even maybe faster than what we would 
what we would think about in our heads is going fast as a case yeah, state offense. Yeah, maybe maybe just like oh, they're just a, you know a hair faster here, a hair faster there, and they make it sound like it's just going to be a wholesale change. I I look when the when the bullets start flying in September, I'll still be surprised that they're if they're really going <laughs> as fast as they made it sound like today. K State offense as the air raid just doesn't sound right. Philip. No, but. I, Bring it on. <laughs> right. Philip Brooks, you're telling me you're going to snap the ball before five seconds on that play <laughs> clock? I don't know, man. I gotta, I'll gotta. i believe it when I see it. Uh, with Derek Young from Case Online, just another question for you here, D.Y., and I'll let you go. But uh, maybe, maybe the big news from this press conference was that Jack Stanine is basically backing up Deuce Vaughn. But I would imagine – but you see this as a hopefully a temporary fix to the depth issue, but that also – does depend if case they can pick up a late running back in the transfer portal. Yeah. Maybe not the biggest news, maybe most intriguing to fans. Cause they, you know, some of those people think they really get excited when they think about it. I don't know. What do you think Jackson Ian weighs 250 pounds two, I mean, he's not listed that much, but probably cause he's only five foot six or five foot seven. He's pretty short, but man, he, he's he listed at 253. Little... Okay. Well, he's, he, and that's pretty impressive given his height. Um, five ten. But, uh, <laughs> He's a he's a heavy load, and look, he got a carrier too in the bowl game against LSU, and he played a little running back then, and Chris Kleiman pointed that out as well. So I don't think this is completely something that's temporary. I think that you'll see it in you know very minimally minimal amount, but I do think right now it's more out of necessity than anything. It's not something that, that you, you don't you know, conjure up a no huddle offense that goes super fast just to give the ball to a 253 pound Jacks Deneen. That's just not what you do. So I, I think that we're not going to see him back there all that often, at least in that role. I would still imagine more of a fullback role for him than a running back role when, when everything is, you know, as healthy and a hundred percent, you know, built the way that they intend. I think right now you just he's doing it because, like you said, they're they're pretty thin on running backs because one, they got one of the best in the country, and he and he's so good that he really doesn't need to practice this spring, and that's basically what's happening. He doesn't have to practice all that much, and they don't want him to because why risk an injury to your best football player? Yeah, there's and no two, another okay, go and and then another one is Devin Weathers is also out. Yeah. And they haven't added a tr- haven't added a scholarship transfer yet, so you're really thin back there. And it's really just Jacksonine with DJ Giddens and Jordan Shippers. So I think it's really more out of necessity. I mean, there's no way they're going to have Jacksonine. Like I, in my opinion, carry it seven times a ball game. That maybe not I mean, six or seven times, maybe five or six times a ball game. Whatever Joe Irvin was doing much. for me, that's still too much. Yeah, like, yeah, he, for sure. He, at, at most, like. He, you better be given like Winston Dimmel goal line carries. That's what I, the way I would see it. Well, I was hoping they would give Jackson Eat a few more goal line carries, but especially the bowl game, they gave it right back to Deuce, even though Deuce is my boy. I felt like they could have got Jax a touchdown there late in the uh, then, Texas. Yeah, bowl. and against KU, they give it to Ben Sinnott. That's right. He got a rushing touchdown as well. That probably should have went to Jax just because of the situation, in my opinion. But I, I'll give them this. We talked about, you know, last thing, touched on a little bit. I think Ben Sinnott's going to be a really good fullback. And I think that's me too. also maybe a little bit of a change there for Jax. Could be, though, like, oh, can we make sure we got get some snaps for him in some way? Because I, I think Ben Sinnott's turning into a better fullback than he is right at the moment. All right, so you mentioned that you didn't feel like the Jackson news was the biggest. I felt it was 
to me is the most interesting. Deuce is my boy, yeah. and I need to know who's going to be backing him up just in case something happens. But to you, what was the the big news of the press conference? It was probably the the tempo thing yeah. um, that we mentioned. That was probably number one. But I, I will touch on a few things. That I guess that, that kind of perked my ears up at least a, a little bit um, when talking about. I mean. I mean, there was a few of the players really brought up Will Honus unprovoked. And it sounds like he's really turning some heads. He was even called a beast in the weight room and just what he's able to do. So I thought that was interesting. Chris Kleiman raved about Samuel Wheeler when I didn't even ask about Samuel Wheeler. I asked about the tight ends. And Chris Kleiman really used that moment to uh, uh, hype up Samuel Wheeler. So that's probably something that's a good thing because I had a question mark about the tight end position, you know, going into this. And, and just the fact that they're probably – they're pretty thin at the defensive line, not not for the season. They're they're well built there, but there were so many offseason surgeries that they're, they're pretty handicapped there when it comes to just the amount of bodies that they can deploy during the spring. So I, I think that's uh, I think that's an interesting thing as well, and and just the fact that the you know the overall vibe and response that they had to Colin Klein. You know, you asked them about Colin Klein and offense and how they feel about it. And, and yes, they say they love the tempo and the speed and the pace that they're operating, but they also mention how they love how he hears them out. Like he, it sounds like he really makes an emphasis to actually take what the, the, the players are saying and tries to use it as ammunition of what to do in certain situations or, or how to engineer his offense and, uh, and build it out. Yeah, no offense to uh, the the one thing I'll take out of all that you just said there, D.Y., is the Sammy Wheeler news. I mean, no offense to him, but I mean, this could be the first time that in three years that we don't have a transfer coming in at tight end and to, to really carry the load there. So Sammy does have to step up. I would be putting the sell job on him, too, that we're going to be just fine at tight end. But that's just uh, I suppose that's just my two cents. I think there's just like four tight ends on the roster and two of them have had any playing time. So. Yeah, uh, what, Sammy Wheeler, Connor, Connor Fox, and Will Swanson. Those are the three that have really played. Oh, yeah, Will Swanson. I forgot about Will Swanson. Yeah, you're right, D.Y. All right, I know you need to get back to work. you got a lot of stuff to type up, but a lot of great stories about to come out at kstateonline.com. D.Y., appreciate your time, and we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely, anytime. See you at the Big 12 tournament. Uh, well, I might not be going because we've had a little change of plans with baseball. So, yeah, so. See you soon. Sometime. All right, D.Y., thank you. Derek Young from K-State Online here on the game. When we come back, and by the way, an hour or two, we are going to hear from a, case, a couple of K-State wide receivers. And I'm talking about a couple that were actually mentioned during that interview with D.Y. That's Phillip Brooks and Cade Warner. Uh, Brooks going in on the depth, or uh, I'm sorry, about the, the tempo. Had to think of the word there for a second. And, of course, Cade Warner will uh, speak about his time here at K-State and coming back for that extra year of eligibility. Also more on the running back situation coming up in hour number two, but when we come back, it's Tuesday, guys, so my top ten of the week is next. Welcome back to the game, and DG has arrived, as you hey, can tell. what do you want to do? Talk about that big trade that happened today in the NFL? We already did. <laughs> you missed the party. Oh! Hey, I, I, I can make up for it here, though, because this just in, you may have heard ELO is performing at McCain Auditorium this Ooh, Friday, and I have up. tickets to give away. Really? And we're going to do that at 530. Are you serious? Two on, tickets. On K-Man? 
Uh, right here on Cayman, on, on this very show from this very microphone. Oh my God! I'm man, giving away is, yellow tickets. This is like K Rock style. Five thirty. I'm giving away a pair. Whoa! I'm going to give away that pair. It's just going to be a phone gimmick. Yes. And it's going to be super easy. Yes. You just got to be ready to play. Oh God! So, uh, hey, first of all, this is a ELO kicks ass. Um, but, um, what do you think? Like. <laughs> As you know, my wife's a huge Cowboys fan. Sure. So I've been I've had to watch a lot of Cowboys over the last few years. The Broncos are kind of the the Cowboys bugaboo a little bit. Like the last few years that they, they play every once in a while, but every year they play them, they get beat. What are you thinking right now as a Cowboys fan? You got Russell Wilson coming. Oh, I don't care. Oh, you're like, ah, whatever. <laughs> Because as a, as a Wait, this was fan. the year to play the AFC West. It'll yeah, come what? again in like three years. Right. No, it's not an issue. In three years, he'll, he'll he might be out. He might be out there. You know what I well, mean? Well, he's also playing for the Broncos, which is ran by a bunch of bums. Whoa, yeah, that's true. I just there's a lot of tire on. There's a lot of tread on that tire. You know what I mean? Like he's had a lot of a lot of football. I mean, the AFC West got a lot more interesting. Big time. Not, I wouldn't necessarily go as far as like Chiefs. Your streak is done. You're over. Good luck at winning that conference again. Not at all. Not at all. But it's, it's in But maybe of getting an extra team in the playoffs. Ooh. I don't know. Maybe that is the extra burst they need, but maybe not quite yet. Right. Not but, quite yet. Let it build up again. Russell Wilson still has a lot left in the tank. A ten and eight, eleven and seven, nine and nine. Wait, how Broncos? did the what what how did the Broncos do this year? They were seven and okay. Uh, so seven I mean, and eleven. You know, Still some work to do, but you you're not crazy out of it. Yeah. A br- you bring, uh, oh, it was 17 games. I keep thinking 18. So you go 10 and 7, you know, 9 and 8 Broncos team with Russell Wilson behind them. Oh, boy. And they go into the wild card? Yikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I might make some noise. You guys ready for my top 10 list? Yeah, dude, sorry. So I never tell anybody what my top 10 is going to be about. It's always surprised everybody. Right. Uh, today is International Women's Day. Um, so I wanted to do something with that. Shout out to the women. And so what is like the most popular thing when it comes to interest in the world? A Ukraine? <laughs> oh, <are> you... <laughs> I'm not talking like headline interest. Oh, oh, like we're going to lead off the show uh, yeah, it... with these Ukraine farmers towing away tanks. <laughs> That's not quite it. No, I mean like personal interest. Music. Oh, yeah. Sure. Music is the number one interest. I'm sorry, sports fans, but music is more popular than sports. It's just the way it is. Sorry, guys. But I love it all. I love it all. I'm a big music fan. So I decided to do my personal top 10 favorite female singers and musicians. Oh, boy. So are we all ready for this? Heck yeah. Number 10. The thing's not working. Here we go. Which, by the way, you guys might not like my top 10 because it's a little bit weird of how I've ordered it. Well, it's a little. It's gonna be a little controversial, but at number ten, I'm gonna put Christine McVie, mm-hmm. Fleetwood Mac. This is a tough list to compile. I'll give you that. Oh yeah, but she's fantastic. Now, if I put Christine McVie in there, you got to know Stevie's coming in at some point. Right. But to me, when you hear Fleetwood Mac and you hear those two singing, you're getting two different sounds, I think, when they are singing their own songs. So that's where number 10 rolls in. Now, number nine. Why do birds suddenly 
Karen Carpenter. Absolute legend, in my opinion. No longer with us. R.I.P. On today's long-distance dedication, Casey Kasem. That was awesome. That was really good, Casey. It's not so much like her voice is amazing. But I wanted to find a song like I think most people know, which yeah. I would imagine our, our audience knows the Carpenters. But her drumming, she is a crazy good drummer. She was a crazy good drummer. I did not know that. Oh my god. And she drums like jazz style. Oh so yeah. So like one stick is underhand and like yeah. she is ki- she was killer on the drums. Wow. Danny Carey from Tool swears that jazz hand is the correct way to play drums. Uh, Number eight. He's leaving, mm. leaving. Oh, that train. I mean, enough said. Come on, man. Gladys Knight. Whatever happened to the pips? Uh, I think there's some pips still around. They're, they're doing Capital One ads. Oh, yeah, they're making bank. <laughs> okay, never mind. They're doing just fine. <laughs> Leaving on a midnight train. Here it comes. <laughs> you had to know it was coming. She didn't have the pips there for no reason. Right? Right. Uh, let's see. Where are we at? Number seven. Oh, we. If, that's, if this hasn't hit yet, I feel bad for you because it's Gwen Stefani. Man. Tragic Kingdom from No Doubt is just an absolute hit after hit after hit after hit. One of the first females that could get a circle pit going. (laughs) Yeah! Uh, And she's like 20 years old in this movie. You know, like, this is amazing. And had completely taken over the band at that point. Yeah, they were like, oh. But even like her solo stuff, like I'm not the biggest Pops sure. fan, but I, I think she killed it on her own. Uh-huh. And obviously, in my opinion, no doubt, is a fantastic band. Again, this is my top 10 favorite female singers and musicians of all time. That was number seven. Number six. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. <laughs> Come on. I'm hitting absolute bangers right now. And yeah. Debbie Harry, yeah. coming from the New York scene <laughs> in this top 10 with Blondie. About the only thing that you could have done to make this better was go Rapture, where she actually raps in the song. Yeah. Well, see, the deal is this was like a bit, this used to be a big song here on the show because going back to the John Kurtz days, which weren't too long ago, we took a trip to New York City and we stopped at a karaoke bar like not necessarily it's, it's a bar it's a dive bar like a sailor thing type of place but it's an awesome place and they had karaoke that night and the whole bar is at like where they're doing karaoke and like singing along with the people but john fell in love and i told him new york city when you go you fall in love with somebody on the subway just walking by you look at somebody fall in love with them and he fell in love that night with this gal that was uh doing karaoke of heart of glass oh Little Kansas nice. boy goes he to the talked, big city. He talked about her for years. Oh wow! Well, wow. they got away. Number five. Every night, 
contagious into this. How can you not be? I don't need an introducer, do I? No. But it's Tina Turner. Adam A. And right? num- at number uh, number five. That, wouldn't that? I believe you're right. Yes. Real name Adam A. So you ever seen What's Love Got to Do with It? The movie? I've not. Oh baby. So first of all, yeah, come out of there hating Ike Turner. A really bad dude. That's well, a given. Yeah, he's a I mean, loser. Horrible. Yeah. But uh, Angela Bassett, who played Tina Turner, got the 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 blessing from Tina Turner. Mm-hmm. She killed it. Did a great job. Number four. Now this may get a little controversial. Uh oh. The reason number four is a bit controversial because you might remember I have split up Stevie Nicks and Christine McVie. Mm-hmm. I am throwing into one part Anna Nancy Wilson. Without one, I don't know if you have the other. Sure, sure. Kind of like, do you have Kool-Aid without the mix and the water? You know? I like the pick. That was a (laughs) tremendous analogy. (laughs) I mean, truly, guys. This this song is awesome, by the way. I would say that Nancy was the mix. Anne was the sugar. You add to the mix. Whoa, okay, a little sugar, a little, yeah, a little bite. I like that. Number three. Yeah, buddy. So Stevie Nicks. Number three. Wow. This will be interesting. Good number one and a two. Bye bye. Well, I think you could probably predict who one of them would be. I think I I think I have a lock on one who What an amazing song. Yeah. Rhiannon, by the way. Fantastic. So many girls named after this song. Let's see, two choices left. Where's he going to put Adele? Uh, I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now. Uh, I, I think the one name that people would be surprised it won't be on my list, which, well, I'll get to it here in a little bit. I don't want to just start spoiling everything. But don't we, even. We're in Go! short time anyway. Number two. Number two, Ronda Rousey. <laughs> uh, Joan Jett. Joan ben, Jett. Shredder. Been there, seen her. Still doing uh, it. I saw her at WrestleMania. Play Bad Reputation nice. to bring out Ronda Rousey. Awesome. Cool. She's going to be at the uh, Coffin Stadium May 11th. Get your tickets at 1015krock.com. Saw her in Topeka years ago. But finally. Number one. Nobody would have ever guessed, but I've talked to, about her so many times. She's a huge part of my childhood. Baila. Selena <laughs> with the dark horse winner dude you don't even pick the Selena song that everybody knows well <laughs> Baila Estacumbia is my favorite Selena song <laughs> man what a talent cut down man killed at 23 Ugh. Gorgeous. As her song had hit. Yeah. Gorgeous and super talented and amazing. There's had a, a megawatt smile, as they say. She'd have took over the world. Man. Yeah. Well, she was just she was just starting to get into English uh-huh. pop she, music or she R&B. smashed. Yeah. You know I, what I mean? She was just amazing. She was just getting started. I mean, she'd been performing music since she was a very young teenager, maybe Great. even before that. Yeah, probably. But Selena, it was hard to let her go as my number one because go way back way back before the movie before the movie even came out with Selena my girlfriend Selena 
Yeah, right, man. Brandon Peoples named one of his daughters after Selena. Oh, I did not know that. BP every day gets cooler, I think. In my mind, he just gets cooler and cooler. That's my top ten list. By the way, honorable mentions, Janis Joplin, Alanis oh. Morissette, uh, Lady Gaga Adele. was in there. Uh, no Adele. But, um, Madonna? Hour two of the game, coming up next. <laughs>